All right, so hey, hi, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of DDing. And yesterday's episode, we talked about what my dad was like when he was in his formative years. And now we're going to talk about what it was like having a kid, how you kind of lose a sense of your identity and a sense of self when you have kids, and pretty much just all things relating to raising kids, being a father, being a husband. So, yeah. And also, he has, like, a, a cough, so... It's going to be really hard to edit all of them out, <laughs> so just ignore ignore a lot of them, okay? Thanks. Thanks in advance. So, what's your favorite part about being my father? <laughs> just your father. Just just mine. Getting to do this sort of fun stuff. Okay, that seems a little vague. Obviously, you got married pretty young. You were 30. I guess you weren't that young. But you had a kid pretty much immediately after getting married. What are your, what's your, what's your take on, what's your, what's your thoughts, notes on that? Yes, uh, as, as my father said, it was, David was a premature child. Not, this is different than a preemie baby. Uh, this is premature to the marriage, not premature to his full, full grown. It was after the marriage, but it wasn't nine months after the marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what was that? What was that feeling like when you found out that you were gonna be a dad? I don't know. I kind of always wanted to be a father, so I wasn't upset about it or scared about it. I think it was just one of those things that you're supposed to do. Get married and have kids. So, uh, it wasn't really until, you know, we were after the birth. And at that time, you, you were required, the insurance required you to stay in for 24 hours. And even at the end of 24 hours, they said, okay, it's time for you to go. And I was like, I don't think so. We don't know what we're doing. We have no clue what's happening here. You take him out and go home, give it a whirl. And to provide a little more context, you are the father to two boys and one girl, correct? Yes, two boys and a girl. The girl is the baby. So obviously the favorite, but... I think after you have the first one, they all just kind of came along. Uh, Nico was, what, two years, pretty much two years after the first one, and then you were 18 months after that. These are probably better questions for your mother, because she was actually home with everybody, but as far as I went, kept going to work, it was okay. Wasn't a bad deal. So, was that difficult for you to go to work after having kids? difficult to go to work yeah like did you feel like you were missing out on anything oh that stuff no because your mother kept me informed uh i mean i think the you know as far as missing out the time that uh, the, the the time it, when you went to school was the first time it was more interesting 
because then when you went to school, you really had to rely on a five-year-old to try to explain their day and all things that were happening. And then you had to try to figure out how to ask questions to get to elicit the answers that you were really interested in. And then going farther on that, you know, for me, uh, you know, when, when, when I couldn't go to, you know, when you guys started getting into middle school and high school for sports and I couldn't watch practice anymore, that was a relatively traumatic event. Why was that traumatic? Well, just, I mean, you were, you were part of something every day. You saw what was happening every single day, every practice. You know, you could try to, whether or not I was helpful or not, you know, pretend to give you some sage advice on things and whatnot. And then, you know, it just you didn't see anything till game day. And then you were just guessing at what happened. And then you would have to, well, you suck today. What the hell were you doing? That didn't always go well. Did it? I would say that it was 50-50. So for those who might not know this about me, I played competitive softball from, what was I, maybe 11, 12? Well, you played softball from, what, six years old until you started doing travel ball? Until I was 18. Yeah, but I mean... I don't know. We were pretty competitive in the rec league. I always like how I say we. But, uh, yeah. I mean, you played all the way up until you decided you didn't want to do it in college. What was that like when I told you that I didn't want to do that? I got it, but I really wanted to have a daughter to play D1 ball. Just for the just for the sheer bragging rights or whatever. Yeah. And in my defense... You also wanted a daughter that was going to major in engineering, and so you can't have your cake and eat it too, because there was I was going to class every single day, and I didn't know what was going on. So my friends that weren't going to class on Thursday, Fridays, because they were traveling to games, I don't, and they were the ones tutoring me. Sterling was the one tutoring me, but was on the football team, yeah. and now isn't even an engineer, just plays pro football. Yeah, but I think my thing for you is if, if they were going to give you a scholarship to go play ball, what did it matter for those four years? Granted, you probably didn't want to be in school for eight, but the first four were kind of, who cares? You do what that you did what you had to do to play softball and move forward, and then you decided what you wanted to do in the second four. Second four? <coughs> what am I getting, my doctorate? That would have been nice. You want me to get my doctorate? I would still be in school right now. You can do that. You know, your 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 uh, uh, cousin did it after school. James? No. Ashley Lynn. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, but that's getting a master's is different. Like, is that the point of this call? This conversation. No, it's now not. We're back to you. It's amazing how that works. Well, everything's about me. It's a podcast by me, about me. <laughs> okay, so when you weren't allowed to go to practice anymore, it felt like you were missing out on a portion of our lives that you spent a good portion of time in. But how I got into this segue was because I, you and I spent a lot of time traveling together. So my friends 
in regards to this podcast miniseries have been surprised by me just having conversations with you, which to me isn't so shocking, number one, because of what we talked about yesterday and the fact that we have family dinners every night after school. But then second, on top of that, is that we spent, I don't know, upwards of 10 hours together every weekend, just me and you in the car. Good Lord, more than that. Well, just me and you. Yeah. Obviously, there were we spent way more than 10 hours, but just one-on-one. Not only that, I mean, just not just on the weekends. I mean, every day had practice. Every day was going back and forth to school or going to do something else. And, I mean, when your, when your mother left, you were, what, 13, 12, 13? But, I mean, I think all that. I mean, we all just, you know, that whole es- that whole issue brought everybody closer together. So, being a part, uh, or being a father, and being a part of a marriage that ended up ending in divorce, what are some things that you felt responsible for solely as a single father? As a single father? Hell, I was responsible for everything. I mean, I guess I don't understand where you're going. I mean, you know, I had to... I had to cook best I could, or I, I won't say cook. I had to provide food for you as best I could. I would say that we got on the Blue Apron before Blue Apron was really a thing. That was also how we discovered we didn't really like kale at all, and that's primarily what they put in those boxes. And neither did the deer in the backyard when we'd throw it out there. They would leave it during the winter. Snow on the ground, and they threw kale out. It, the deer wouldn't eat it, so what's that tell you? But... I mean, when when it was just the four of us, I mean, we did everything. I mean, we were all, you know, that. You guys had to take care of yourselves. You know, I was worked. The job I had had strange hours, long hours, you know. But I think you have to go back farther. You know, the thing that always drives me crazy is when uh, a parent says, I'm lucky I have good kids. Because it's not luck. You had to have done something. You, you, you might be lucky that there was no genetic malady that, that you know, some sort of a birth defect or, or something of that made that, that you know, the, the cells didn't mix right. But after that, it's a blank slate. And then the parents are just fucking it up. You know, for the most part, they're, you know, I always tell new parents the, you know, that kind of chuckle that you don't need to look in a mirror. You just need to go find one of your kids to figure out what you don't like about yourself because that's the first stuff that just annoys the crap out of you from your children. What is it that we do that annoys you? Uh, Charming, delightful, funny. Loud, annoying, brash. But I like it all. <laughs> so, you you are saying that children are a reflection of who you are. And I actually saw this quote the other day that said, you're not raising children, you're raising adults. And I would say that that is very much so how you treated us when we were growing up. Because 
we were responsible for a lot of things that I don't think a lot of other kids our age were responsible for. So you got up and went to work at like 4.20 a.m. Blaze. But we then had to get up, go to school, figure out how we were going to get to school how what we was only a mile away it wasn't like you had okay that was high school or something that was high school but that's about what all of it was well i was still in middle school at the beginning so i had to figure out how i was going to get to school because nico and david didn't even go to my school (coughs) that's an amazing thing about that yellow thing that shows up on the street well yeah but you'd be surprised at the people that can't figure that out so that's what i'm saying so but the other, I mean, the, the other thing, when your mother left, you know, the, the, your band of five, we all called it, your four friends, all those mothers were floating around somewhere, uh, you know, kind of in the background, keeping track of where people were. I'll always be grateful for all of them, because they, somewhere, somewhere in the background, they were taking care, they were, I was, it was the, it was the safety net, you know, someone would call and Say, hey, your your kids are supposed to be here, or hey, give me twenty bucks because you know you got to pay something for the school. Yeah, I did a episode on the Fab Five and those relationships. I forget what that episode was called, but it was a good episode about learning people that were very healthy for you and good relationships to be in platonically but I can't remember the name of the episode off the top of my head anyways so what was I talking about I was talking about oh we had to get up figure out how we were going to get to school what if we need to pack our lunch if we needed to get a permission slip to go somewhere if (laughs) yes the permission slips I would get a I would get a picture of the permission slip that one of them had wrote out that they were going to turn in. So I was knowledgeable of what the permission was. Getting out of school early, whatever it was. But, yeah, that was kind of common. And then we would have to figure out how we were going to get to our sporting practices. We kind of, And then sometimes when you weren't coming home, we had to figure out what we were going to do for dinner. So we were just a bunch of young kids taking care of ourselves and I think that that created a lot of our independence that each one of us I think is one of our strongest attributes as humans in this world I agree but I you know kind of like mom for me that you know you you knew you knew what the expectations were and you you know there was going to be a consequence when stuff didn't go right you want to tell your story of the uh, fair? No, why don't you oh, tell no, you're, you're, you're way much better. So one of these instances, there, there were consequences. So my dad was out of town for a few days, I guess. And my brother Nico and I were taking care of ourselves. We were getting to school. We were doing all the things I just listed. So... We had just cleaned the kitchen, emptied the dishwasher, and we were running it again with all the dirty dishes in it. And Nico and I had cereal for dinner because that's really all we were capable of cooking. And then we were gonna go to the county fair. 
so he called our dad and asked if we could go to the fair. Nico was going with his friend and I was going with mine. And we show up to the fair and my dad calls one of my friend's moms and tells her that I need to get home immediately because I left the house a mess. And my friend's mom was like, oh God, Sarah, like, I don't know what you did, but your dad seems really mad. We should probably turn back around and get you home. And I was so confused because I swore that Nico and I cleaned the whole house before my dad got back. And so Nico and I are on our way back home from the fair after being there for, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes. And we get home, there's the two cereal bowls on the counter because the dishwasher was being run so we couldn't put them in them. So Nico opens the running dishwasher, picks up the two bowls with his pointer finger and his pinky, picks them up, puts them into the dishwasher, looks at our dad, and just walks upstairs. So, and when I tell you my dad was irate that we had left those bowls out, he was irate and made sure that we, he, we knew that he was angry. So, am I recounting that correctly? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, and also important to note that my brother and I were straight-A students. We were also on varsity sporting teams since our freshman year of high school. Like, we were good kids. We didn't throw parties really at the house. Really? There, there's the phrase, really, but go ahead. Nothing that was caught, caught or, like, bad, really. So... That is all accurate. So we left two bowls on the counter and our consequence that we were screamed at, berated, and forced to come home from the county fair early. But outside of that, that was pretty much, and <laughs> I told my friend's mom that what had happened, and so I think she called you and said something along the lines of, are you sure that's how you should have reacted in that instance? And you kind of thought about it for a little bit, and you, you just said no and hung up, and that was the end of that. But, yeah, so I had to come home from the, the county fair for feeding myself, getting myself to school, and, you know, doing the whole nine yards. But that was now a fond memory to look back on and just give you shit for. Yeah. Which, <clears throat> to, to be fair, now being an adult, which, being an adult, I know that I've said this on a previous episode, but on my first day of work, I showed up, and they're going over all the benefits with you, and they start talking to you about your PTO and your sick days, and I was like, hmm, I get five sick days? And they don't, that doesn't increase when you have children. You just get five sick days. And so I was thinking to myself, wow, I was sick a lot in middle school. I was one of the throw-up girls that was always just throwing up. You may, you, you're kind of saying that like you're done with that. When was the last time I threw up? I don't know. When was the last time you sit there and rolled around with your belly on fire? Well, my I do have some, some intestinal, I don't know, tummy issues. We know. Hot girls have tummy issues, so I don't make the rules. I'm just a hot girl. But I no longer am a, a thrower-upper, I'll say that. But I was throwing up a lot and had to go home a lot, which means that it was really put into perspective for me 
of how much my dad sacrificed or how much parents sacrifice when they're at work. Like, I come home from work and my roommates would try and talk to me or say something to me and I just was not having it. So I couldn't imagine having three kids that you're coming home to and they're just fucking up your ass. Was this the time, is this the, the story where I tell you I used to fall asleep, pretend to fall asleep on the couch flipping through the channels? So they'd be all be sitting on the couch. I was tired of people talking to me, and especially them, and so they'd keep yabbering. And so I would sit on the couch, and I'd be turning the channel, and I'd slowly let my hands drop, and my eyes drop, and my head drop. And then the next thing you'd hear is one of the kids come. That dumbass fell asleep again! Can you believe it? He fell asleep again! And they get up and leave, and I'd pop right back up and start clicking through the channels again, or take my, or actually take a nap in peace. But yeah, I did that more than once, and they never, they still don't necessarily believe me. But I, I, I did that way more than once. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe that that was real. I think that you just think that that was something that you did. Oh, I think no. that you intentionally were falling asleep. Oh no. I mean, I can fall asleep pretty much anywhere, and have anywhere. Yeah, that was a, that was a thing. So now that we've all left home, and you now are maintaining relationships with all of us, and you don't live in the, none of us live in the same state. Your three kids and you, none of us live in the same state. What is that like? I mean, I could imagine if you had a difficult you you called it a traumatic experience when you stopped being able to go to practice with us. What is it like now that we all live in separate states? Uh, it's not. I mean, the, the thing that when you when you graduated and left me in the house that you all pretty much grew up in, that was terrible. I mean, just the, the, the pure silence of the house at any given time was just was awful. And fortunately, I was moved relatively soon after you went to college. So... Then I've just been bouncing around a little bit, but yeah, that was uh, again. It's it's the same thing of not being able to, you know, it's it's uh, not being able to know what you're doing every day. But also, I, I mean, yeah, I'm not the most uh, talkative person all the time, and I'm not going to call you all the time, and all that stuff. And I don't think any of you guys all like to talk on the phone much, except for you and your brother. You and Nicholas will talk for hours, and I don't even know if you say anything. No, we say a lot. We say a lot. It is a, it is amazing that the, the, the speech pattern that you run in when you two talk to each other. Deep sound. That's that twin telepathy. Yeah, something like that. That's right. That's right. But I don't know. I mean, I, I we, we start we t- we made a comment or we started in the last one say, saying something about there's a lot of people that don't want to have kids anymore, and some people call it selfish and and whatnot. But I mean, I, I get it, I get it. But everything you do, whether you go on a trip, whether you buy a house, whether you buy a car, there's positives, there's negatives. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into children, a lot of work, and. You know, you, you really don't know if you were successful till it's just about too late. Right, getting out of 
out of the house and going somewhere, you, you don't know. So would you say that you were successful in raising us? Are you happy? I would say so. I mean, wait, there's a national preserve. Should we stop? Okay, you could maybe pee in the natural preserve. Natural stone. Uh, I mean, all, the only thing I always cared about was just that you need to figure out how to be ha happy. And that's which, that's, to be fair, is a really hard assignment. That's, hard that's a thing. really hard assignment. Making money and and the rest of that stuff is that, that's that's the easy part. It really is. But figuring out how to be happy, be comfortable in your own skin. Not worry about what the people down the street have. Not worry about what people on TV have. Not get tied up into all that crap. I mean, that's that's hard. That's that's not easy. And it's all built to not do that. Social media even makes it worse. <coughs> what is the uh, what teen, especially female, teen suicide? Even younger than that is what skyrocketing. I mean that's terrible. I remember you. <laughs> two two stories. I remember getting so upset with your mother when you were I don't know how old you were seven eight and died in 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 colored your hair. See for those of you listening, I told you I was super young when my mom started dyeing my hair. Super young. Oh, I came unglued, absolutely unglued. You know, just just the point that you are already teaching her that she isn't good or enough just the way she was built. You got to start augmenting it. It's funny that that, not funny, but it's interesting that that was your takeaway from that situation. For me, and my twisted brain was thinking, Oh, she wants me to be blonde because she wants me to be more like her. Not like anybody else. She wants us to look more like a family. Is what my brain convinced myself of. And maybe that wasn't my brain. Maybe that is what mom said. But that is just, that's one. I didn't, I never took it as that I wasn't perceived a certain way by society or that I wasn't good enough the way that I was. Yeah, but isn't that advertising? I mean, advertising and all that stuff, it's its the slow, you know, the slow water droplet on your forehead over time that just beats you into something other than what you think. You don't even realize it's happening. Yeah, but I also think that it played a really important role in image. So I know image isn't something that you particularly pride yourself too much on, but for me... That's been something that I have taken a lot of pride in, is my image and how other people perceive me. Not necessarily because I want them to see me, not necessarily because I want to come off a certain way, but I want to come off, or I don't know how best to say this, but it's not because I'm trying to fit in with any group or not seem like authentic are, to Are me. you sure? Yeah. Yeah, really? you just been doing or have you just been doing it so long you don't know well that's kind of what got into my whole self-reflective era earlier this year of being questioning everything questioning if I want to drink anymore questioning if I want to be in Boston anymore 
questioning my identity as a whole and when I sat down with a pen and paper and asked myself who is Sarah what do I get back do I get back that she's blonde do I get back that she's an engineer or do I get back that she's caring she's funny she's charismatic what the things that I wrote down on what I think of myself as versus what I think other people see me as or moreover how I built my image and I think my image that I portray to other people like in this podcast and like at work is more of a I won't say business but it's definitely a different persona than what attributes I really embody like I would never talk the way that I talk to you and Nico at work that was probably my downfall, huh? You think that that what what's the downfall? No, I I I was never any good at the at the uh, politics. Paul, thank you. The politics of, of of stuff. I I did what I was supposed to do. I did it pretty well. Uh, you know, I I pushed boundaries. I was okay pushing boundaries. My bosses tend to not be okay with me pushing the boundaries because then that made could put them in an awkward spot, and that they they were never super happy with that. But as thirty some odd years go through, it's kind of interesting of how many things that I have done or my team my my area has done that has gone system wide. But all of that stuff. But it's also just being truthful to yourself and being being truthful to yourself who you are well that's part of the fun of your image is that you get to paint how you want others to perceive you and you get to represent how much of who you truly are in that i don't i don't agree with that i mean the whole adage right it doesn't matter what you say it matters what the other person hears You, you can do all you want to put out something but if the other person isn't listening you know they don't know Right. No, that's true. So, I mean, I guess it's really only what I think that I'm putting out to other people. But I, going back to the story about mom dyeing my hair when I was in, what, second grade, that's that's what I took away from that. I took away image and how important image was. I guess the other story, me being very, was I remember when your grandmother, not my mom, your mom's mom, took you guys to a zoo or someplace and she would always go through the stupid gift shop at the end to piss away money and Nicholas didn't have he wanted something but he only had two dollars and so she got it for him and said he could pay it back pay her back I came so unglued I remember sitting on the deck in the back and just Oh, my God, coming unglued that we now taught a six-year-old how to take a loan out. What a horrible thing to start teaching somebody. Horrible. And everybody looked at me like I was crazy. Overreacting. But that's also the part of of parenting. Everything counts every single day. Everything counts every single day. All the little things. Being consistent. I mean, you know, do you ever wonder if I'm coming home? No. 
mean, you ever wonder if I was coming to a softball game? Never once. You know, I mean, all of that matters. All of that is a basic. I mean, I, you know, I might not make it there at the beginning. I mean, there's a lot of times I drove three or four hours to get there for the end of something. But I think people don't, uh, I don't know, not that I'm a martyr or any of that type of shit. That was just what I was, you know. What was the song we listened to yesterday? That's my job. Yeah, that's right. No, and that's true. I mean, for kids, especially young kids, it doesn't really matter what you say. It matters who shows up at the end of the day. So if you're not there, if you're not showing up, you're really not, like, kids don't see the ba- like the work behind the scenes. Going back to my previous point of saying that I didn't realize how much time you actually had to take away from work and your job until I started my own job and saw the benefits. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I mean, that's, you know, every, everything's a decision. And, you know, the other part that very, very early on, I, I, I made the connection that, you know, on the, on the railroad, there was a lot of times where time on the property meant dedication and to me if I can't do my job in the eight hours granted there's a lot of stuff that happens off the hours you know emergencies or whatever come up but why would I not try to plan my day in the eight hours and if I can't do that am I really am I really being worthwhile I mean are you are you are you being successful if you're just flopping around just there and if you're just there, you're not at the house with your kids or your family, where that where you are making a difference. What do you think was the most impactful thing that you've done as a father? Just what we were talking about. Just showing up every day. And being consistent. As much as you hated it. I mean, it's just, there's no... Why, why, why do you think I hated it? Because it was, you would get, uh, you know, the, 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 you said it the other day, the, 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 all the stupid little sayings I'd say, tell you. you just I didn't say they were stupid. You did at the time. You wouldn't say did that. I? Your eyes would roll around in the back of your head. You'd shake your head, walk away. You know, nothing good happens after midnight. You know, do what you can afford. You're, uh, you know, you're the sum of your five, you know. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Yep, all those. I mean, once you start, you don't understand them as a kid until you kind of look back and see who you kind of, you know. I I remember that one time Nicholas was explaining to you the kids that he's shed. He listed off five or six kids that he just got rid of out of his life because they weren't helping him. They were dragging him down. And that was a pretty wild conversation to just sit there and listen to him have to you. I don't even remember this. When that's was this? That's because you were drunk. Was this at his going away party? Yeah, this is when they were carried your ass up the stairs and all sorts of other stuff. And then there was, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Was that one of your proudest moments of being a father? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Of Nicholas. Still waiting on yours. Okay, that's rude. What is your proudest moment of me so far? 
so far. <laughs> the the thing that I, and I've said this for you for a long time for you that, that would you know like you've said it on your podcast that uh, uh, you know you could you could step in dog shit and, and there'd be a diamond or a gold piece in the bottom of it. You, but you know it's easy to say you're lucky and everything falls your way, but you're always you're always a you're always there to take advantage of it. You make your own luck, and then stuff happens, and then you take advantage of it. You know, I mean, the the the, the laser red team was a was a great example. Right? We just went to a batting coach that we'd never been to. We were just trying something new. I don't know what I was doing. Next thing I looked out, you're fielding. You weren't even batting. And then you know they invited you to the team. You know, in, in that first uh, first practice with the team, and they talking about uh, one of the mothers said, "Well, shouldn't we be getting uh, reservations for nationals or whatever?" And I just remember looking across the circle at you, going, "What?" We both kind of had our eyes go up. And, what are we talking about here? You know, because the the travel ball team you were on before that, I, I don't even know if we ever got past lunchtime on Saturdays. And then, you know, that first tournament, well, we didn't get home till 2.30, Monday morning, starting on Thursday. You know, I mean, that was wild. And it was wild that, that, and then when you went out to to, uh, Denver and what was there, 183 teams from across the country, and, and you guys won it. And it wasn't that you were sitting on the bench. You were, you know, you weren't the stud. But you were the blue-collar kid that just sat there and was always doing your job. And, you know, that's the stuff that, that, that is just neat to watch. I mean, it would have been cooler if I was the stud, that's for sure. But, yeah, I mean, I would have to say that working harder, hard work or stick to as my high school math teacher would say, is something that... I feel like I've mastered in a way of I'm not going to give up on something because it got hard or because it's taking too long or that I just don't want to do it because it's taking too much work. And I largely think that's coming from seeing the consistency that you showed your entire life or showed during my entire life. But, yeah, so definitely yeah is is nice to be a lucky person but definitely nice to be able to back up the luck with hard work a lot of the times I, I just don't like the luck part I mean things open up but you're there to take advantage of it and willing to take advantage of it there's a lot of people I mean me included you know I took the easy route I just I got in a company stayed there for 30 some odd years you know I I was never brave enough to go somewhere else. You know, I mean, that's that's a big deal, especially when you have kids and everybody's, you know. The, the interesting thing when you get a job and then start getting married and, and then all of a sudden you realize that you're not, it's not just you that you're feeding. You're feeding a bunch of other people. Yeah, I... That 
that for me has been the hardest part for me to process being that now a lot of my friends are becoming parents or are getting married that they are now because what doesn't make sense to me is that I I could probably guess what their salary is but you don't get like a bonus when you shoot out a kid like where where does, where's that money coming from no, I mean, but that's the other thing, you know, the, the other part, you always hear people now, you know, uh, everybody has their own bank accounts, and then they have maybe a third bank account that's, and I, I, I never understood that. I mean, to me, it was a team. Your mother and I were a team. I, she didn't have to ask me to spend money. Sometimes I wish she would have. I think I, I, I own at least one store of J. Crew, probably two, but... You know, she didn't have to ask for money. You were a team and trying to move, propel your family forward and everybody get successful and get better. And, you know, that's that's all. That's how I always looked at it. I mean, I never was, you know, nobody ever had to ask for, you know, you would discuss things, but it wasn't really like, hey, can I go get a, you know, some ho-hos? I don't know. Now they, you know, everybody is, I, I don't know, it's weird. It is weird. It almost, it almost makes it easier to just split the family apart. <laughs> my, my mom made it, I don't know what, you, how old I was, sixth grade, fifth grade, fourth grade, I don't remember what year old I was. She said I came home and was all mad because somehow they were talking about divorce and all this stuff in school, and, and I didn't understand why we were already discussing on a failure. Why why we weren't planning the success, but we were planning on how to get out of it. It was, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's common, and I think that it's kind of on the forefront of everyone's brains now. I think that's largely why people aren't getting married as much as they used to be. People are just in long-term relationships and they just don't care to be married. I mean, you can go through a whole bunch of stuff. Probably get me in trouble talking about it. But I mean, I, I yeah. You know, I, I think, and not that people stayed together. I mean, I'm not staying together if you're being abused or, or you know, any of that. But uh, I mean, it, I if you think you're going to be you think you're going to like your partner every day you're in a you you don't even try because you're not going to like them every day i mean you may love them but you're not going to like them every day ever imagine it's going to happen you know in, in in understanding that that everybody has their own spot and you know i mean the other thing that's weird as much as your mother and i are different on all sorts of things we were always pretty much straightforward with you kids even after she left. I mean, she would never do anything that she didn't ask me about or make sure that it was, you know, that everything was going to be, you know, that we didn't talk about. It was no different than when we were married. And I think that makes a big deal when when you have that consistency with the parents, that they can't, you know, can't play the uh, mother may I or, you know, well, dad said, mom said. Last question. What is... Yes, you're spoiled. 
Nope. What, I guess it's a two-part question. What is your favorite part about being a dad, and what's your least favorite part? The favorite part, you know, and I, I'm going to go with sports, but that, that picture we have, you know, I, I would help coach third base, and just the joy that I would see on your face when you had a good hit, rounding first, looking to me to see what was supposed to happen next, and just, you know, that part of it. David landing that plane, you know, when he was learning how to fly. Nicholas, when uh, uh, Nicholas with lacrosse in high school, when he, uh, uh, I mean, we weren't very good, but he, he got the ball at one end and, I mean, went through everybody to the other end and scored as a demon, as a defenseman. And, and it, it just, just the sheer joy and happiness of that. The punishment stuff isn't fun. I might have looked like it was fun, but it wasn't fun. You know, you feel bad. You don't want to do it. But the consistency part. It's easy to, you know, not punish. It's easy, you know, it's the same thing at work. I, I people that, uh, I, I, people make fun of me because I, the same reference, you know, the, the object is to raise happy, healthy, successful members of society when you're a parent and when you're a leader of people is to have them be happy, healthy, productive members of the company you work for. And I think people forget that on both sides. There's no difference in my mind. None. We are your employees. Indentured servants? I don't think that's better. Oh. But, all right. Thanks for another episode. And we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks for listening, and have a very successful rest of your day.